Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Alliance Church in Lexington, Kentucky. The sermon you're about to hear, Jesus Knew Who He Was, Do We?, was preached by our lead pastor, Paul Smith, on Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. It was recorded on February 18, 2024, and is part of our series, True Security. Well, I have to start off with confession. I said when I saw the weather report, no one's going to show up to church, and I was so, you proved me so wrong, thank you. Hey, I'm Paul Smith. I serve on the pastoral staff. If you have a copy of the scriptures, go to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 4, and I'll start off a little bit in chapter 3, but I don't know if First Alliance is your home church, but make sure you have a church that uh, teaches and preaches the scriptures faithfully. You can use your phone, iPad, however you want to do it, but Matthew chapter 4, and we have a hope as a church that we reach as many people as possible without ever sacrificing biblical muscle, and so Matthew chapter 4, and just a couple things uh, as you're turning there, um, there'll be a prayer team afterwards after the service today. We would love to pray for you about anything. It says in Psalm 92, uh, 19, that there's no God like ours who daily bears our burdens. And one of the ways that happens is you bring those burdens to others in the church and they lift them up to God for you and with you. And then also on prayer nights, tomorrow night, I lead a thing called Vertical. And we'll, uh, it's right here from 645 to 745. And we'll do a deep dive into praying through what we're going to hear today in the message series through the generations regarding true security. And then also, if you're uh, on a prayer newsletter, sorry, if you get our e-newsletter, um, they'll be coming a congregational survey this Wednesday that we hope that you take time to fill out. And if you're 16 or older, this is available to you. And this allows us to know that if we're actually fulfilling what we believe God desires us to fulfill as leaders, we're better as we're listening to you all regarding discipleship, engagement to the community, um, with regards to evangelism, so much more. So that's coming this Wednesday. If you don't get our, our e-newsletter or connector, you can contact the church office or email the church office. We would love to, um, we would love to get, that, get that to you. All right. Um, well, thanks so much. And just thank you for, I hear that some are um, uh, carpooling as John, so they're teaming up. Thank you for doing that. And so uh, with Easter coming, uh, thank you. And with limited parking spots, uh, be in prayer. God may just show you what to do. And so, um, all right, with that, I'm off script. I need to get to prayer, okay? And so um, let, me, let me pray, and then we'll get, in, we'll get into the text this morning. So like first service, Father, I have two requests. That you would work and feed your people in spite of the many faults and failings of your servant, for you know they are many. And that you would be the messenger through your servant to your people. For it is you, Jesus, who we truly need and who our hearts long for. Holy Spirit, would you teach us what we do not know? Christ, heal in us the wounds that we have that no one sees. And Father, produce in us that which we cannot produce in ourselves, which is the character and the nature of your Son, Jesus Christ. And the church said together, Amen. 
We're in a series called True Security, True Security. And uh, one of the reasons that we're in this is because this series is because we're a pretty diverse group here this morning. But if I were to kind of uh, pull, peel back the onion of who you are, there would be one issue that when your mind and your heart goes to that issue, it leads to a sense of wobbliness of soul, a sense of insecurity. And this marks kind of the age that we live in. Claire Stetson has said this. She studies kind of, hu- kind of the, the human situation. A feeling of insecurity has infiltrated the da- daily life of the United States. This is the general unease and the perception of many. But we have said that true security is available to we who are Christians, we who follow Jesus Christ and are children of God. We said true security is found in who I am as a child of God and obedience to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And security and obedience to Jesus Christ for the sake of security is a major theme of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. There's this time in chapter 5, as you will read it, where he says, um, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven and not here on earth, where treasures on earth, moths and rust can destroy them, thieves can break in and steal them. He says, but in true security is found in, in heaven. And this made all of his followers insecure because back then there were many messiahs that said, if you follow me, one of the gains will be financial prosperity. But Jesus was different. He said, you follow me, I'll call you to radical generosity. And this made all of his followers very insecure. So he sees their insecurity and he says, okay, I see this. And here's the antidote for security. Your heavenly father feeds the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how much more valuable to, are you to him than those? Your heavenly father knows their, their needs, and he knows yours, so seek first the kingdom of God. And he says to so your security is not found in what you have, but who you are. You're a loved child of God. That's the first and foremost. He ends the Sermon on the Mount, where he says there's two kinds of people in this world. They're living this life, and the first person hears my words, and he... he, and he, he um, just doesn't do them. He doesn't do them. But the second man, he hears my words. He puts them into practice. The first man builds his house on the sand. And when the rains came and the storms came, his house crashed. But the other man who put my words into practice, he built his house on the rock. And he says, true security comes when you put my words into practice and you build your life on the rock of my teachings. And you know who you are as a child of God. Now, I'm not saying that this is easy, but this is what I do know, that when you know who you are as a loved child of God, and you're putting the teachings of Jesus Christ into practice, you will truly have security and peace in this life that you are living, not in the life you wish you were living, in the life you are truly living because you're meeting God. Now, Jesus doesn't teach us anything that he himself does not do. And he trusts himself to his father's love and the word of God, specifically as we see in Matthew chapter 4. Now, this is what we learn in Matthew chapter 4. Jesus knew who he was, and he had a quiet sense of true security that grew from his relationship with the father, and we can also. He knew who he is. It comes up, comes, comes there, comes, comes up there, comes up there, comes up there. There it is. He knew he, who he was. And he had a quiet sense of true security that grew from his relationship with the Father. And we can also. Now it starts in Matthew chapter, I'll be in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And then I'll read and go into chapter 4, 1 through 11. And we'll be in this text this week and next week. It says this. 
As soon as Jesus was baptized and went up out of the water, water, at that moment, the heavens opened and he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and lighting on him. And the voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him who I'm well pleased. Others, other gospels say, you are my son, you I love you, I am well pleased. And whenever the father speaks in the gospels of Jesus, it's always love. And then it says this, and then right after this, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He was led into the desert and he was led by the spirit in the desert. After 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. This is the way Jesus and I are different. He's 40 days, he's hungry, four hours, I'm hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. The devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, you see the point of temptation identity. If you are, if you are, and the same is true with us. The tempter strikes us there. He said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you you up uh, in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put your Lord, your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And I will give you all of this if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord, your God. And serve him only. Now, some things we have to answer about this text, and it's, first of all, is this: is why is he here? Why is Jesus here? What is why is this the first thing that happens in his life? What's so important to God that he leads him into the desert? You see, Jesus learned in the desert what obedience to God meant in living a human life. He is learning obedience when it's hard and difficult. See, and this will serve him well because in the desert, it was part of God's plan in preparing the son. He's trusting the father when it's hard. He's learning it here because there will come a time when the cross is just a few days away and he will say, not my will, but your will be done. And the lessons he learns there will prepare his heart and his will for those moments. And the same will be true for us. And this is where it drives home. The father leaves his son into the desert to prepare him. And this is out of the overflow of the father's love for him. And the love from the father, we need to know, doesn't always feel and look like love. But it is love. And you and I will be going through hardships and difficulties. And we will say, why? And the father says, I see what's in store. I'm developing you. I'm building you. And what's coming You need to be prepared for. Hold on and trust my love. There's a second thing. We know that the tempter comes to him and that Jesus says no. But this whole thing starts off with unconditional love. Unconditional love. You're my son. See, unconditional love does not mean unconditional acceptance of all our choices. You see, you are my son. I am your father. But when the tempter comes, Jesus responds, he is my God. And only him will I worship. There's a spirit of the age that says, if you love me, you'll approve of everything I do. No, 
I'll call you to holiness. We see this in the life of Jesus. In Luke's gospel, we see that it says this in Luke chapter four, verse one, that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And because he was full of the Holy Spirit, he went into the wilderness. It says later on in Luke, I think it's Luke 13, after these times of 14, after these times of temptation, he comes out in the power of the Spirit. And therefore, he starts his ministry. We also learn this. It's that public ministry, all of us have one flow out of our private lives, specifically our private lives of obedience to the Father. Your ministry can happen in the schools. Your ministry could happen in the workplace. It happens where you go and your lives interact with people. The power of the Spirit flows out of you and ministry is done when no one's looking. It's just you and God. You choose to revere him as God and God honors those servants. But here's what I ask. Jesus asked you, Jesus knew who he was. Do you? Because the same, same temptations that came to Jesus will come to us. And here's how. I'm going to draw here, so be ready. You can get scary. Um, this is, let's say this is my life. And you can do your life, whatever it is. And so I was born in 1972. And let's say that I go 85 years, 2057. I did the math beforehand. I don't do that on the fly. So considering time, this is actually very small. The Bible calls this a vapor. And the question that we have in all of our lives is, who am I? Really, who am I? And the world will say, you are... What you do. This is where the devil strikes first. Turn these stones into bread. Do something impressive. Provide for yourself. Prove that you're lovable. And this starts at a very early age with everything from report cards that are not bad. God created us to do. From coaches that applaud us to parents that reaffirm certain behaviors and a certain attachment can happen to the soul. I am what I do. If I go to a social gathering, tell me what you do. I'm a pastor. Most people get bummed out at that moment. <laughs> we'll define our core identity by what we do. Second thing is, who am I? Um, what? P-E-O-P-L-E-S-A-Y-A-B-O-U-T-M-E. I am what people say about me. Go to the temple. Throw yourself off. Go to the place where everybody can see you. Do something impressive. And people will speak well of you. And these two often go together. A second attachment of the soul. I've got to have the praise of people. And all the social media that we have really allows us to overly control what people say. Because we get to control what we do and what we promote. Problem, what happens when you can't do anything and you don't have people saying anything good about you? Who are you on the inside? The last one is what you have. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. You can have it all. And we compare ourselves between like who lives in what, who drives what. And this doesn't need to even be material. This can be amaterial. The relationships that we have. 
the older we get, um, what I have, we compare our grandkids compared to other grandkids. There are trophies. This is a very dangerous way to live because these are God-given, but they are never meant to be the core identity. And these often attach our souls in an improper way. If you live like this, it goes like this. And what happens when you move? You see, there's things that are valuable in Lexington that are not valuable in Idaho where I used to live. Nobody really values derby hats in Idaho. (laughs) And you can't live on a sliding scale. You see, what God wants is who you are in eternity on earth as it is in heaven to define your life and be the core identity of who you are right now. I am at my core a loved child of God. And so every situation that comes my way, I first have it go through the filter of I'm a loved child of God. I start there first and interpret everything everything from that premise. And when you do that, all of a sudden, you just begin to influence your world out of love. God has been wanting to get through to you something. The love that he has for Jesus, he has for you. In the book of Jeremiah, it says this, the prophet called out, And he says, the Lord has appeared in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, a love that lasts forever. I've drawn you close to me with loving kindness. In the book of Zephaniah, one that we always turn to very quickly, it says this, the Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. And he will rejoice in love. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. In the book of Romans, Paul says this, I am convinced that neither death nor life or angels or demons or uh, present or future or powers, high, take it all, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It's ours because of who God is and what Christ Jesus, his love does. And all of a sudden we define ourselves not by these. These are the fruit of something else, the root of who we are. I'm a child of God. I am beloved. I saw this in my own life when I was about 38 and I was doing hard and I was ministry. And I remember I just on the one day in my back porch and I said, God, I am so tired of being spiritually dry. And I was talking a lot about God, but I didn't, wasn't experiencing God. And frankly, I was exhausted and more wasn't doing it and fixing it. And I'm not a big dreams and visions guy. And some of you have heard this before, but some of this will be brand new. But God just kind of gave me this vision. And it was the following where there was this big white house and out from this front door came me. And I was dressed in this really nice suit. I was looking good. And then all of a sudden, a big vehicle drives up and a person steps out and it's none other than Jesus. And I said, I'm so glad that you're here. And I invited him to the house. And in this hallway, here are all my trophies, everything from speech meet in fourth grade to to academic, no, academic trophies, athletic trophies and ministry trophies. And and I showed him all these. And Jesus says, nothing, nothing. And I start, I try harder. I said, but look, look, look. And 
And, I, and all of a sudden, he looks over my shoulder. He looks past me and looks down this long hallway. And then I turn around, and what I see is all these patients wearing hospital gowns. And his face lights up because those, who, those are the ones he's come to see. And I'm scared, and I say no, and I try to keep Jesus from these patients, but he'll have none of it. And as they come closer, these patients are none other than me. They're cancer patients, it seems, and they're cancer because on their labels it says envy, ambition, lust, greed, shame, unforgiveness. And Jesus goes to them, hugs them, and he says, your father loves you. And as they were held by Jesus and loved by Jesus, they began to experience healing. You see, when you know the love of God, you begin to realize the worst part of you can safely be brought to the father. He didn't talk to that person in the suit because that person was fake. I created him. And he won't call talk to a fake with you either. He'll only talk to the real you. When you know the love of God, you're safe to bring your true self. And then when you know that love, you give that love away. Um, so what can we do? What can we do? Well, with what we can do, we kind of learn in the, <laughs> what, can, what can we do? Don't do. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Um, well, we learn it from Jesus in the desert. First of all, what we learn is surrender. He's led by the Spirit. You're being led by something. The cultural values of the day, one of the cultural values is avoid pain at all costs. The value we see in Jesus is pursue God at all costs because you need him most. You start with an attitude of I surrender and show me those areas where I'm not surrendered and help my unbelief. You see, when you surrender, you truly find your life because you are surrendering to perfect love and perfect wisdom. You may want to come after today and say, Father, I surrender this part that I've been holding back from you, but I'm scared but I trust your love. The second is solitude. Some of us, it would be really hard to spend an hour alone with God. But when you have solitude, just you and God, um, you can't do anything. There's no people to say good things about you. And you're not defined by what you have. You're defined by the Father's love over your life. Often when I do solitude, I'll get there and I have my kind of work uniform on. Okay, what's the agenda? And he'll say, the agenda today is just let me love you. Really? That's it? That's it. Some days it's just let me put my yoke on you. Really? That's it? Yeah. Let me, I want you to know my smile. And I find the power of the gentle love, the dove-like love of God through the Holy Spirit. The last one's the Holy Spirit. For some, this scares us. It shouldn't. It came on Jesus like a dove. Um, in Romans, it says this, is that God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The love that exists with the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit that lets the love of the Father become real to us. 
And some of us just need to say, I don't understand the Holy Spirit, but I am spiritually dry, I'm exhausted, and I can't go another day. Please, Holy Spirit, come. And what you say here in your time of prayer, you say moment by moment by moment by moment by moment. Um, I don't know what the last slide is, but you can put that up there. Jesus knew who he was. He had a quiet sense of security that grew out of his relationship with the Father. And we can also. I invite you into that. You can make that your request in your seat, or you can come to this altar while the time that we sing and just allow the songs to be your prayer, or you can just prostrate and just say, I I can't go another day. I'm desperate for you. Or Heather will lead us in a time of, of benediction. We'll give you more kind of next steps that you can take. Let me pray. And then my voice needs to become quieter in your life, and his voice needs to become greater. Jesus, thank you for not just telling us what to do, but showing us and you going first. That lets us know that you are safe. Many of us are scared. May we not give in to a falsehood of self-sufficiency. For when we are weak, then you make us strong. We praise you. You are good. And we love you too. Thanks for listening. Here at First Alliance Church, our mission is to passionately pursue God, extend life-changing hope, and disciple people to be spirit-empowered followers of Jesus. To learn more about our church or to hear other sermons like this one, visit us at facelex.com.